Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Everything Under the A Umbrella podcast, hosted by yours truly, WeWe Media Group. We're the first network based in Asia to bring you all the insider news on everything affiliate related. So wherever you are in podcast land, we hope this podcast brings value to you and your business, no matter which vertical you're running in. And don't forget to share the episode with your friends and fellow affiliates, because the more you share, the more value we can bring to the industry. Let's get to the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first ever Everything Under the Umbrella podcast, uh, hosted by us, WeWe Media. I'm your co-host, Darren Liu, and I'm joined by my partner, Erwan. Yeah, hi, everyone. So yeah, just a brief introduction to this new venture that we've started. Uh, we're here to discuss the affiliate marketing industry from all sorts of different angles. Uh, we'll be inviting major players in the space from different networks, advertisers, and we'll also be doing some interviews and case studies with big-time affiliates that have made huge impacts in the space. And for this first episode, we're going to bring you the story of WeWe Media. Uh, it'll be an interview with one of the co-founders of the company, Ronnie Lua. And yeah, we're going to take you through the journey of a media buyer who built himself a media buying team and has now transitioned to one of the leading performance networks in the industry. Let's dive into it. Uh, Ronnie, hi, and welcome to the first episode. Hey, guys. Happy to be here. Um, so we know you, obviously, but uh, I'm not sure all of the listeners know you. So can you please introduce yourself and tell us uh, when did you start Affian Marketing and how did you start Affian Marketing? All right. Uh, actually, I like to think of, of myself as a pretty underground guy. So I, I would imagine that many people out there do not know who am I, even though I've been in the industry for, I think, close to 10 years. Uh, okay, so I, I'm Ronnie. And yeah, been in affiliate marketing for over 10 years. Started around 2008, I believe. Um, my journey started actually when... <laughs> I actually got my first job at a search engine marketing agency. So that was where I learned about Google AdWords. I was managing clients, uh, I think over 100 clients, and I was managing their AdWords campaigns, uh, branded clients. So I, I got, a, got to know a lot about Google AdWords and how to utilize search engine marketing. Uh, I got my feet wet, but my boss really sucked back then. So I, I regretted it like the second day after I got on the job. So uh, that, was fast. Wow. Yeah, that was fast to, uh, to realize your boss was a moron. <laughs> well, you guys don't feel the same way, but um, so yeah, so I, I started looking for ways to, 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 to get out, uh, which took some time because I was in a, I was under a contract that if I left early, uh, if I left before one year, I had to pay like a 10 K penalty which was a huge sum of money for me back then because I was pretty broke. I just, that was my first job, right? So, uh, so I had to stay in a job for one year, but I think I was, start, I was looking for alternatives even like after two to three months. So I, I was Googling how to make money online, as cliche as, as it sounds, but that was really what I did. Uh, yeah, so back then there was no STM. 
uh, there were not many resources back then. So I, I was just hanging out in Warrior Forum. I was looking at, I think there was this uh, digital point back then, which was pretty popular with all the internet marketers back then. I uh, didn't know anything about internet marketing, but what I saw were a lot of people posting screenshots, a lot of, uh, I think, AdSense, and I even read blogs like uh, John Chow or even Shu Mani, who were, uh, I think, the authorities back then, like the gurus back then. So, <laughs> but that opened my was eyes. It like, uh, was it like right, right now, like you have like guys with uh, big cars, uh, gold everywhere, and, uh, and babes with yeah. big books, I knew that you can make a lot of money if you buy their books? <laughs> I think that part didn't change, yeah. Motiv motivated by those uh, back then. <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I, I kind of was convinced that people were actually making good money online. So I, I went to Google and researched even more on how were they doing it. And yeah, it got me interested. So after one year, I, I fired my boss and then I started uh, diving into internet marketing on my own. Uh, started off with ClickBank, started off with... Uh, ebooks trying to trying to sell something on warrior forum and just all the all the kind of weird stuff that back then everybody was trying to figure their way out including myself uh nobody to learn from almost so i really had to learn learn it the hard way uh eventually i i i've explored and i found out about cpa which was kind of refreshing to me because uh with clickbank you had to get people to fish out a credit card and make a purchase online but with cpa back then you could just get conversions without uh, requiring people to purchase something. So it was more like a cost per lead gen, cost per uh, download or whatever. And that was that was new. And that was kind of a re groundbreaking back then. So I tried that. And since then, I've, I've not looked back since then. Okay. Nice. So you, you, started, uh, you, you started so pretty much right away after, after school. Um, do you remember like your first... Uh, big win uh, and your first big loss, like uh, stuff like you, you almost lost all your hair at the time. And the one <laughs> that you say, oh, I'm, I'm, on the, I'm on my way to buy my first Lamborghini. The part about losing my hair, you probably meant uh, Danny, my brother, not me. <laughs> but okay. Uh, interesting. I think, okay, let me talk about my, maybe my first win that was. Okay, that's quite a trip down memory lane. Uh, I actually conducted a workshop previously, uh, I think three to four years ago, but I, was, I always like to share this story. Uh, it was a lead gen offer. Um, it was a email submit, I think SOI, and the anger was a KFC voucher, I believe. Uh, so I, I was just testing all kinds of offers and then I saw this and thought, okay, it looks easy enough. Just one email and I got to make like $1 plus per email submit. Uh, so I ran it. I ran it on Google AdWords, which was what I knew well back then. And back then Google AdWords were quite friendly still. So you could still run affiliate campaigns <laughs> without cloaking. You can just run direct link to it. And I just tested it and I think it ran for a couple of days. Uh, didn't really get much traffic because I was bidding quite low and stuff. Then one night, I just, I was looking at my tracker. I was using a Prosper 202 back then, which was like the, the first ever tracker. <laughs> um, and then I saw suddenly I got an influx of clicks, a lot of traffic. And I remember it was like 2 to 3 a.m. I was staying up late because I was watching a football game. And then I was like, oh, holy shit, what happened? 
So I went to check out my Google AdWords campaign and then I was getting thousands of clicks. I was spending a few hundred dollars, which was something I've never done before. Uh, and I was making, I think, 100% or 200% ROI. Uh, so making a few hundreds, close to 1,000. And then I, I didn't know what happened because it just shot up overnight. And then I went to Google like KFC vouchers myself. And then <laughs> I think one of the first few articles was like uh, Oprah had a collaboration with KFC. So she was really giving away KFC coupons. And then back then, everybody was searching for it in Google and they saw my ad and they clicked on it. <laughs> and then it just converted nicely. <laughs> that, that was probably my first thing, which was kind of lucky and a fluke. But yeah, I think it opened my eyes and I got a lucky break. Uh, first win, but I mean, it didn't last too long, probably a few days and I made a few thousand dollars, which was nice. Uh, biggest win, biggest win I would think is um, when I chanced upon acai berries, that was probably eight years ago, maybe two years, one or two years, actually I think one, one year after I started CPA marketing. Uh, I was actually down to my last couple of hundred bucks. I took a 10,000 loan from my family, uh, including my younger brother, who, who I think who lent me like uh, three to four thousand dollars, which was a big deal. Not to him, but to me because it hurt my ego really bad. <laughs> yeah, it's, but, always, it's always hard to ask money for your family and friends. Like, yeah, and my younger brother at that. So, <laughs> uh, but I, I lost I lost sort of my money the the money I made from the previous campaigns I lost it back trying to test different kinds of campaigns. So I was just down to my few hundred dollars from the 10k loan or capital I started with. Uh, I was I was testing hundreds of offers really, literally, uh, from the various networks I was working with, Clickbooth, uh, Neverblue, who is now known as Global White Media. Uh, I almost tested every offer in the network. I just told my AM to just give me all his all the offers. I just dump everything into Google AdWords and see what stuck. Uh, yeah, and then I decided to run this acai berry. I saw it's been around for some time, uh, but I never thought it would work. I was a bit skeptical because I never promoted this kind of offers before. And then I ran it and it just blew up. Nice. Yeah. Uh, back then, I think acai berries was like the trending fruit. Everybody was crazy over it. Uh, it was like there was a fat diet going on. Everybody was just buying lots of and Googling lots of stuff on acai berries. How does it work? And it was it was in the news every day, so a lot of organic traffic and all my Google AdWords campaigns just got a ton of traffic, converted super well. Even though my page was super ugly, uh, I, I I bought the page from Warrior Forum. Somebody was selling a review page. I bought it for like five dollars, but I think that probably made me a couple of hundred thousand dollars from from just that page, and from just that campaign, and that was my biggest win, I think. And then that really changed my career and yeah, I have not looked back since. <laughs> <laughs> like the real question is like, did you, uh, did you reimburse your little brother? <laughs> Trust me, I made sure. it a point to pay him right away after I got some money. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I was just going to say last week you told us that Hiring Erwan and me was your biggest win, but I guess, I guess you were yeah. lying to us, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
That's a huge disappointment. Anyway, yeah. So, uh, personally, working from when I worked at Mundo uh, three years ago and then moved to Bangkok to join a media buying team, uh, it's really interesting, you know, for you becoming a media buyer and now starting an affiliate, affiliate network. Was there a pivotal moment during your days as a media buying company that you remember, like, that kind of kick-started the idea of moving towards starting an affiliate network versus, you know, stopping with the whole media buying thing? Yeah, I think that was something that was always on the back of my mind, uh, especially after I started seeing some results with my uh, affiliate journey, affiliate career. And then, uh, because I, I did see a few affiliates who, who managed to transition into building their own networks. So it was something that I thought if I could do myself. Uh, but I never did it because for the longest time, because it was always easy to just stick to what I know, which was running campaigns and it was very carefree. I mean, I could just work whenever I want. I could, I could not work in a day. I, I could sleep till like 2 to 3 p.m. and then just do whatever I want, work from wherever I want, from cafes. Actually, I was working from the airport for the longest time because as you guys know, Singapore has the nicest airport. So <laughs> I was working yeah, there every day, <laughs> just yeah, enjoying myself. And yeah, but deep down, I think I was, was, I was always thinking like, what's next? Like, do I want to be always an affiliate or do I want to be doing something bigger? And I think the chance presented itself a few years ago, I think around three to three years ago, three to half, three and a half years ago, when uh, my media buying company, uh, we got acquired by another bigger company and we, we merged and we got listed in the Australia Stock Exchange. So we went through the entire IPO process. So with that, we got some funding. Uh, we, we, we had to discuss with everybody, the fellow management, the board, and what's next. Like, because we were, our, our media buying campaigns were doing well. Uh, but at the same time, as a pub publicly listed company, you have to account to shareholders. You have to show growth. You have to have a story that you can tell the public about. So that was when we thought, yeah, why not now? So together with my co-founders, we thought, okay, I think it's time to do something bigger than what we've been doing all the while. So we, we got started. We just wanted, we, we, we got, went ahead to, to start our own network. Yeah. And I, if you ask me now, I think I probably should have started a bit earlier, <laughs> but, uh, I think my media buying experience did me good because I, I understand the industry very well, made a few friends along the way as well. So definitely helped me when I got my network started. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, well, joining WeWe now after, you know, two years at Mundo and then a year and a half doing media buying, I have, a, I have a way better perspective on the whole industry now. And I think I'm able to, you know, use that knowledge. Uh, so I'm definitely, I definitely know where you're coming from. When you decided to, uh, to change, like, um, to, to become like a, a network, what, what was the biggest challenge making the transition to being like an affiliate and, uh, and to go to a network and what's the difficulties that you didn't anticipate at the time, stuff that you didn't realize, like what would be an issue. Okay. Uh, actually, now that you mentioned this, uh, I remember just now you were asking me about my biggest loss, but I didn't mention that. <laughs> uh, yeah, but. I think back then, okay, uh, so let me just backtrack a bit because I would just want to answer all, all the questions. Uh, 
in terms of my bigger loss, I think every every big loss that I had was always accompanied with a big upturn in fortune as well. So it was always a big le- learning lesson. But at the same time, I also got back up, double the results. Uh, but I, I I remember I went through a very depressing moment in my career. <laughs> I like to call that that uh, I was I went from making like 10k profit a day to losing 10k profit a day, and it went on for like weeks or what because uh, back then I was making good amount of money and it came pretty easily because it just sort of shot up overnight uh, got to the point where I didn't it didn't feel that much to me so I was just so some there were times when I, I knew I was losing money but I was not doing anything about it I was not optimizing my campaigns I was just chilling out with my friends ha- hanging out at cafes and even though I know every refresh on my stats I know I was losing a few hundred dollars and so I that was kind of a naive back then but yeah uh, I think I think one lesson that I could share with other guys out there uh, is that uh, nothing lasts forever in affiliate marketing especially if you're an affiliate so every cent counts so you're going to make sure that you milk your campaigns hard but at the same time when when bad times come you're going to make sure that you minimize your losses and just stick around long enough to make sure that you can you, you're around to ride the next wave okay uh, and about your the latest question, uh, challenges making this transition, well, there, there were a ton. Uh, because, I mean, I, the only thing I knew was to run campaigns. I, yeah, and, and manage media buyers and train my media buying team. But zero knowledge whatsoever on how to run a network. So, uh, definitely wasn't as easy as we thought it would be. Even though my co-founders and I, we were all in flame marketing for a good number of years. But still... Uh, the learning curve was super steep. Um, and I think one thing that we really did wrongly back then was that uh, we we didn't hire people who were experienced in the field. That means we didn't go out there to recruit experienced people from other companies, from the industry. We just tried to promote from within, to repurpose from within. So I got my media buying team to, to, to step into roles like a BD, sales, affiliate managers, uh, operations, uh, which was not the wisest thing to do, even though everybody is good in their own rights, but uh, it was it was something new for everybody involved, myself and all my guys. So we, we had to learn it the hard way and the slow way. And so the, the first one year or so was really, really slow. And uh, yeah, we it, on hindsight, definitely shouldn't have done that. Uh, so that, that's something that we didn't anticipate. Cash flow is another thing that uh, didn't think too much about before we started the network. Especially when you start to work with uh, high volume affiliates and high volume campaigns, things could get out of hand really fast because we are paying affiliates weekly or even sometimes a couple of times a week. Uh, But sometimes advertisers pay us once a month or even slower than that. Sometimes they don't even pay us. So... (laughs) Uh, cash flow is something that I've learned to not underestimate. Uh, <laughs> okay, as you can tell, I'm not that good in finance, but I'm lucky that one <laughs> of my co-founders is, <laughs> who, 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 who really runs it well in terms of uh, managing the cash flow. So, oh yeah, another tip is probably make uh, if you're not good in something, make sure you get somebody who's good in that. <laughs> so, either fellow management or. Things, yeah. 
Yeah. So, exactly. like you say, you have to you have, you have to surround yourself with people uh, with knowledge or, or know what, what they're doing. And uh, and you're right. Like as an affiliate, I think like the cash flow was less of a of an issue uh, than as a network, which is like uh, the main purpose of a uh, of us it's just to provide the cash flow to the affiliate and uh, waiting for the advertiser to pay us. And suddenly you find yourself like uh, in the in the middle, which yeah can be uh, for the cash flow can be quite hard. On yourself yeah yeah exactly and i was kind of pampered because i was always an affiliate who received weekly payments so i was used to that but when it came to being a network you are like like you said we are sandwiched but we have to make sure we pay our affiliates on time and every time but sometimes affiliate advertisers screw us over but we still have to make sure that we we do the right thing by paying our affiliates especially if the, the traffic is legitimate so uh if people know me already, yeah, I mentioned before that I was at, at Mundo, based in Toronto, Canada, and now I'm based in Bangkok. Uh, aside from all the fun things in Bangkok, uh, one of the greatest cities in Southeast Asia, in my opinion, uh, being based in Singapore, uh, Ronnie, do you, do you know of any advantages or inconvenient, inconveniences of being in Asia uh, as a network? Okay, uh, yeah, uh, let me start with the disadvantages. Um, time zone difference. Uh, I mean, we are GMT plus eight, but uh, many good advertisers, affiliates, they are, they are in other areas. They are in Europe, they are in US and Latin America and blah, 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 uh, which was not the easiest for us when we got started because we had to stay up late at night. Myself and my team members all have to make sure that we clock extra hours just to speak to all these partners from all over the world. Uh, so time zone was a was quite a, quite of a barrier when we when we first got started. It still is now, even though it's better now because we have people from in in over seven to eight countries. Uh, so sort of we cover a good amount of time. Uh, uh, another disadvantage that we faced was probably uh, because we we're based in Asia and. Most of the people in our company are Asian. Uh, so I think when we start working or we want to build up, build up a reputation for ourselves in the industry, it was a bit tougher because too tougher to get recognition because maybe we might not be that well known because we're not from US or not from the typical uh, countries where other big companies are in. So we are from Singapore, which is quite unheard of in the industry. I think we're probably the only affiliate network in Singapore uh, back then and still is. And then, so yeah, so we had to do a bit of a, a more, more probably more convincing myself and my team to, to onboard good advertisers and affiliates. So it was tougher initially, but now, now that we've uh, sort of built a reputation for ourselves, we have good advertisers, good traffic. Uh, it's, it's easier now, but it was definitely tougher when we got started uh, just because we were in Asia. Did you, did you face like the, um, because you're talking like the fact you were Asian, it was a tougher for you guys when you begin because people, um, well, kind of look it down on you a little bit because it wasn't like, um, like the typical company. Uh, did you face like some, uh, cultural, do you think there are some cultural also differences that, uh, uh that make it things tougher on you guys? Uh, yeah, I think to be honest, uh, I mean, in the ideal world, we wouldn't face this kind of issues, but obviously 
we do. And like I said, many many of my team members are Asian. So uh, when 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 we have our meetings, they also tell me that uh, they do face this kind of uh, cultural uh, barriers when we work with some partners. And yeah, I think sometimes I do think it's a lack of respect. Uh, but so sometimes I'm required to step in, or my other management is required to step in. But I think at the end of the day, we we still manage to to put ourselves in good standing and do the right thing. Uh, but nowadays, I think the situation is much better, especially more and more uh, good advertisers and publishers move to Asia. Uh, especially nowadays, if you ask around, many of the biggest publishers are from Asia, from China, uh, Bangkok, Singapore. So uh, Asians have definitely done very well in the past few years. So they're getting a lot more respect in the industry. Uh, it's kind of funny because nowadays, people or big networks are actually hunting for Asian affiliates. So the tides have certainly, certainly turned in the last few years. There's a lot of whales here, dude. A lot of whales. In Bangkok, right? <laughs> yeah, everywhere. China, especially. But it's tough to talk to those China pubs because they're all on like QQ and they all speak or WeChat and they all speak Chinese. So I was never able to get into that, uh, get into that market, even though I am Chinese, but it's kind of a shame I don't speak any anyways. <laughs> oh yeah. That's, that's probably one point that I think we have an advantage in because, uh, Singaporeans typically we we know both Chinese and English, so we can also cater to Chinese affiliates. Okay, hold on, hold on. Chinese, I agree. English is debatable. You you speak yeah, you, you speak a, va a variant of, of English. That's very different, <laughs> Ronnie. <laughs> but you you can make yourself uh, understandable. Like okay, I can I can agree on that. And what, what, All right. <laughs> What about the advantage of uh, uh, of being there? Like you said, you can have uh, the, um, all the Chinese people now, but uh, do, do you have other stuff that come in your, into mind? Okay, advantages. Uh, it's very tax friendly in Singapore. Not just Singapore, but also Hong Kong, for example. So uh, as a company, you do not have to pay very high tax brackets. Tax rates are pretty low for both individuals and companies. So it's, that's definitely a huge advantage when it comes to setting up your shop in Singapore or in Asia. Uh, it's very easy to set up a business. In fact, I think Singapore is, has always been ranked one of the top few countries in the world to set up your business. Uh, in fact, I think you can set up your business in just one to two days, which is kind of unheard of. Yeah, so I think uh, if anybody is looking to set up a company in, in Asia, Singapore is definitely one of the countries that you should definitely consider. And if I can help in any way, feel free to hit me up. I'm willing. I'm more than willing to share what I know. You're such a nice guy, Ronnie. <laughs> that's yeah, right. But that's true. That's true. <laughs> but, that's true. That when I arrive uh, in uh, in Singapore, like over six months ago, like uh, uh, things here are quite uh, easy, like for for everything. When you go to the to the administration and everything, like. Everything is quite smooth. Like you arrive, you have the paper, it's done. That's it. Um, concerning like people, like you, you came from media buyer, uh, and do you have any advice for other media buyer that are um, that are looking like to uh, transition to a larger scale operation or like building an affiliate network, for example? Okay, uh, for a perfectly unbiased opinion don't do it because i don't want more competition <laughs> uh, that, that makes <laughs> <Okay>. sense but 
<laughs> okay, but seriously, I mean, if uh, as an affiliate and you've been thinking about, about whether you want to make the next step up or just something different, uh, I think one good thing you should do is uh, start out with what you're familiar with. Start out with the verticals you're familiar with. If you've been crushing it in CC trials or lead gen, start with that because you know what works there, what doesn't work there, the kind of risk you can take. Uh, you know the context. You you know probably fellow athletes who are doing well in, in your mastermind or even the kind of advertisers you can work with. So uh, that's definitely a much faster thing you can look to, to build your network on. So start out with familiar verticals. Um, recruit people that are good from other networks, people who've done it before, uh, good portfolio, proven portfolio, experience in the industry. I think one thing is uh, your AMs or advertisers who you've been working with, if they've impressed you on a day-to-day -day basis when you talk to them while they were sort of uh, serving your account, managing your account, if they impress you, maybe you can even offer them a job. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's one, one, one thing that you guys can do, which is really start off and start off on a higher ground and really shorten the learning curve, which was what I learned the tough way. But yeah, I think that's something I would advise uh, prospective affiliates who want to set up their own networks. Nice. So, so you mentioned about recruiting people that, you know, are very knowledgeable, but uh, I've been, I've worked for a few companies uh, in the past and no matter how smart or how experienced uh, a candidate is, if they don't fit the core values of the company, then it usually falls apart pretty quickly. So me personally, I joined WeWe a couple months ago. Um, initially, I felt a deep, you know, foundation of the core values set up by the company. Uh, can you briefly, like, briefly explain what these values are and why they're critical for any team in the space? I know you guys just recently posted up um, your core values in the office in huge, huge ass letters. Can you elaborate on you know, what these values are and what they mean to you as a, a founder of a network? Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we just painted our core values on our wall uh, in our new office, which we just moved into uh, two months back. Uh, so previously we were sharing our office with somebody else, but now we have our own office, which feels really good. Okay, but yeah, uh, I think core values was something that we struggled with for a very long time. I mean, coming from a fleet media buying team, I don't think that you you need to instill core values, which obviously was what we never did from day one. So when we started to really build up a proper company, a proper network, uh, it's something that we, we constantly thought about. Uh, but it was still something we struggled with because our industry has always been very creative, as you guys can imagine. Uh, <laughs> probably doesn't have the the most positive uh, reputation out there. Uh, so if you do recruit people, sometimes you, you or at least I, I do wonder like, how do you, how do you make sure that they're motivated by the vision of the company and the kind of verticals that we're focusing on? Yeah, but uh, we still decided, okay, this is still something that we need to start building and start focusing on and start making sure that everyone in our team has this set of core values. So we ironed it out within the management team 
and just a couple of just start of this year, we came up with this set of core values. Uh, it stands for facts, F A C T S. I'll just uh, briefly go through each of them. Fast is better than slow. Always be curious. Communicate clearly. Teamwork makes the dream work. And lastly, sound planning is nothing without execution. So uh, this is what we communicate clearly across to our whole team. And since it's now on, on our wall, I believe any, both of you can see it every day anyway. So all my team members, every day when we walk into the office, every moment we see these core values. And, and also because a good number of our guys are working remotely uh, from different countries. So a lot of our communication is done through Slack, Slack or Skype. So whenever any of our team members uh, does any of these things that, that, uh, that are aligned with these core values, uh, somebody in our team will just shout, shout out these core values. And then, uh, so we just make it a point to, to make it a habit and eventually it's just drilled into everybody. And so for current guys and even future hires, we, we, we look, we're going to look at these core values very closely. And since I think we've uh, implemented this, I do think that uh, we've witnessed impact. Uh, that is uh, improvement in the way we work. Uh, some challenges that we face when it comes to working remotely, especially when it comes to communication, I think it's gotten better. There's still room for improvement for sure. But uh, I think these core values are working well. And I think everybody sort of understands and also knows where we are headed. And yeah, so I would recommend that anybody who does this or who runs a company should have these core values in place if you haven't yet. That's kind of a great uh, segue to the next question. Uh, maybe this company could have used uh, your set of core values, but uh, you know the situation about Mundo Media going bankrupt, uh, RIP Mundo. Oh. Uh, this could just be a one minute answer. You don't got to go too far into it, but did that situation open your eyes at all? And uh, maybe your initial thoughts when you heard the news. <laughs> uh, I think it was definitely a shock when I when I first saw it. Uh, I know I know it's only been recent thing, but uh, the writing was probably on the wall because a lot of people were were, were having uh, there was a lot of rumors going around that uh, they were going to shut down because they were not paying many affiliates. Many affiliates were complaining about it in Facebook groups and stuff. Yeah, but when I first heard about it, it was really a rude shock to me because Mando was probably one of the biggest networks for me back then when I was an affiliate. Uh, wouldn't be wrong to say that they kickstarted my affiliate career because when they first launched, I, I remember they were a very cool network to work with. Uh, they, they sort of just blew everybody out of the water because they have solid offers, they have solid AMs, good payouts, and just... They were just impressive to work with. Uh, maybe Thanks, maybe bro. things Thank changed you. along the way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe <laughs> things changed along the way uh, because I've not been running with them for some time, obviously. Uh, but that was definitely, I think, a wake-up call to us or even other companies in the space because for if, if even a, such a huge giant can fall, then I think everybody will, will do well to, to pay attention to what happened. And uh, I think my personal lessons will, will be that it's, uh, it's important to stay lean, to, to stay nimble, so you can 
evolve and adapt with the times, especially in our industry. Everything moves so fast. One thing that works today might just die tomorrow. It could be a traffic source. It could be Facebook. It could be an entire vertical. It could be MasterCard or Visa just clamping down on trials and stuff. You never know because of the nature of the industry we're in. So, yeah, I think all the more that our uh, fellow networks or just anybody in this space should uh, stay nimble and then stay on top of trends, making sure that you, you have a good mastermind, people you can talk to, uh, attend trade shows, so you always know what's going on. It's always good to attend trade shows because you always get an idea of uh, what's working now from, from co-workers. Other, I, I wouldn't... I would, I would only say that we have competitors, but more of uh, people in the space because we also work with a good number of these so-called competitors, even though we are all networks. But I believe uh, everybody can learn and can make money from one another and just benefit from each other's experience. So, yeah, I think nothing lasts forever in this industry. So, got to be aware. Uh, yeah, I think like nothing ever last forever everywhere i think a lot of people have a tendency to just lay back and think everything is good like uh, i keep remembering like uh, uh i don't know if you guys remember but uh, alta vista was huge uh, the huge huge stuff at some point and then uh, a guy arrived and it was called google and everything went down same for yahoo same for all this kind of girl so everyone who's big like can potentially fall no one is too big to fail anyway so and especially in this industry, you're right. Like you need to um to be uh, able to change like quite quickly. Actually, about that point, I think uh, even for ourselves, even though our network has been around for I think three years or so, three and a half years, um, along the way we've also pivoted in terms of the verticals that we focus on. So we started off with mobile content because that was what we were really doing well in. But after that, we pivoted and we expanded in other verticals. So. Yeah, I think that's what we, we also evolved along the way. And maybe uh, Mando was a bit <laughs> uh, caught up by, by, by the declining CPI industry. And yeah, that's why they were hurt bad. What would be the next step uh, for WeWe? Like, uh, I would say that like you want to stay lean, you want to stay limbo and everything. That's all good. But what, uh, what's coming up for, uh, for the second half of the year and more importantly, in the two or three upcoming years? 2019 was the year that uh, we started to build two new verticals, dating and neutral. So we, well, actually, we started building them out, I think, Q4 in 2018. So yeah, but 2019 will be the year where we really expand in these two verticals. And uh, in the first five months, we've really grown nicely in these two verticals. Uh, obviously, with one on board, and also uh, we also managed to get a good number of neutral advertisers and publishers on board. So these two are proving to be very, very good verticals for us so far. Uh, on top of what we've been running all the while, which are which is CPI and also uh, sweepstakes CC trials, those have been what we've been doing very well in the past few years, and we decided to expand into two more this year, two thousand nineteen. For the next two to three years, uh, hard to say, <laughs> uh, but I wouldn't want to spread ourselves too thin. So we might expand into a couple more verticals, maybe next year or even next two years. Uh, but it really depends on where the industry heads and also uh, 
obviously whether it is working out for us and whether it's worth our time. Uh, but we are constantly on the lookout to constantly on the lookout for emerging trends. So that's why we always looking to hire good people, good talent. And also uh, we are always making sure that we speak to industry leaders, talk to our fellow partners and attend trade shows and just making sure we are on top of things, not just for myself, but also everybody in my in our team. So we have uh, regular meetings to 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 share this kind of knowledge and also make sure that all of us improve as a team. And so we'll never be outdated. Or at least we try to be. Sounds good, man. That was an interesting story. Uh, we can go all day, even though, you know, Erwan sees you for eight hours of the day. But <laughs> I think I think we'll let our listeners go for this for this first ever guest episode. So Ronnie, thank you. Thanks a lot for your time. My co-host Erwan, thanks a lot for your time as well. Thank you, guys. Uh, well, yeah, let's wrap it up then. That's that's all for today's episode of the Wee Wee Story. Uh, to everybody in podcast land, thanks for listening. Thank you to Ronnie for joining us today to share his exciting affiliate journey with us. And uh, make sure you guys subscribe to the podcast on iTunes so you never miss an episode. Wee Wee Media signing out. Peace.